In March of 2020, we learned about a mysterious virus approaching our shores. I'm not sure any of us imagined we'd still be dealing with it in March of 2022. We are at a different place than those beginning days of the pandemic. We better understand the virus, how to best protect ourselves in the community. Many of us are vaccinated. Physicians have a better understanding of how to treat the virus. So much progress, but it remains a part of our everyday lives. Is it here to stay? We're not going to live like this forever. We're not going to live the rest of our lives with COVID hanging over our shoulder. This is the Health Nexus podcast, powered by Jefferson Health. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Today, a check-in with Chief of Infectious Disease at Jefferson, Dr. John Zerlo. We look back at the past. How far have we really come? And we look to the future. How far do we still have to go? In past interviews, Dr. Zerlo has marked the pandemic in chapters. So what chapter does he consider us in now? I think we're finishing the Omicron chapter, whether it's the last chapter or whether there'll be just a few kind of minor chapters before the next big chapter remains to be seen. Lately in the news, there's been this discussion of one of the variants of Omicron, and perhaps it's even more contagious. And, and it's been really found throughout the United States, but I'm not sure that that has resulted in any meaningful change or, or change to the epidemic. As you've seen throughout the country, Certainly in our region, in, in, in the Northeast and in Philadelphia, we see the numbers continue to come down. Whether further variants will develop and whether they will become just variants of interest, meaning they have certain genetic characteristics that could make them more troublesome or variants of concern, that not only do they have those genetic changes, but they also uh, appear to have clear biologic advantage in either infectivity or severity of disease, that yet remains to be seen. With all of that in mind, where do we stand with necessary precautions? After two years of masking and social distancing, there is certainly widespread fatigue around precautionary measures. Dr. Zerlo says the numbers trending downwards are a good sign, and looking at the stress on the healthcare system should be our key indicator. Yeah, I think that's really the point of a national debate right now. At what point do we say, gee, there's now a lot of immunity in the population in general. We can't live like this for the rest of our lives. I, I, and I think everybody's appreciating that challenge. From my view, the most important way to look at this is just really the stress of COVID on the healthcare system, because that's really, I think, the best surrogate for how dangerous and deadly a particular phase of infection is going along. Now, obviously, we just finished or are finishing, we hope, with Omicron, and we see that the numbers are down tremendously across, not just with the numbers of cases, but of course, our stress on the healthcare system. We just don't see the same number of cases right now. And I think we, we would all appreciate that with the combination of all of the infection from Omicron and previous strains, as well as vaccination, that there's quite a bit of, quite a bit of immunity that hopefully with whatever surges may be ahead, it won't be terribly stressful on the healthcare system. And we can manage that and at the same time, open our country, open things to masking at schools, masking in, in, in indoor places, and all the other things that have been restrictive over the last two years. But don't throw away those masks just yet. 
He does think that they are still necessary in certain situations. I think masking is necessary in the healthcare setting. Because remember, we as healthcare workers have a particular obligation to our patients. They come in sick. We don't want to make them sicker. So I think we have a unique responsibility in that regard. I think masking in general, then for the population, I, I think it's going to, to be alleviated. We'll stop using masks. I think the real challenge with masks is for that segment of our population that is older, sicker, immunosuppressed, and more apt than to suffer severe consequences from COVID, and at least in some cases, won't respond appropriately enough to vaccination to really keep them protected. I'm not sure how we handle that. I'm not sure how we can guide those individuals to say it's, it's safe to be out in public, it's safe not to, to wear a mask. I think we're struggling through that a bit, and, and we probably will struggle with that as time goes on. Recently, the city of Philadelphia announced changes to masking policies and vaccination requirements. Dr. Zerlo agrees with the call, saying it's time to start the process. I know the city has created a set of specific guidances that will give us all an idea of what are the numbers they're looking for in order to back down from some of the precautions that they're instituting. He stresses the importance of the vaccine. And then while not an end-all cure we had hoped it would be when introduced, it has remained effective in preventing serious illness and hospitalization if infected with COVID. The importance of vaccines, we've proven that over and over again. While we had initial hope at the start of the vaccine era of COVID, which was in December of, of 2020, that these vaccines would be highly effective in preventing symptomatic disease and therefore really reducing the chances of transmission. I think those hopes were tempered by the fact that on the one hand, they seem to lose some of their potency over time. And number two, with these different variants, they became less effective in reducing the chances of actually getting COVID. But I think what study after study has shown is that they remain extremely effective in preventing people from getting COVID to then become seriously ill with COVID, requiring hospitalization, mechanical ventilation, intensive care, and of course, death. So the vaccines have proven themselves to be highly effective in that regard. Now, as far as the schedule, how often will we need to be vaccinated? All of that remains still uncertain. Will we need uh, yearly vaccinations? Will we need them even more frequently? I'm, I'm somewhat doubtful about that. Will we frankly ever need boosters? I think all of that remains to be determined. And uh, so I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's a very common question. Another very common question, what is the timeline for vaccinations for children? I, I think the FDA and, and the CD, CDC are, are taking a little bit more time and being more deliberative about the approval for these very young children, for infants and, and young children. And I think that's appropriate. And on the positive side, we're seeing the numbers come down. Number one. Number two, we already know in children, they don't suffer the same consequences or at least ways the same level of trouble that older adults, immunosuppressed adults and so forth suffer. So I, I think taking a, a cautionary approach in all, it, it makes a lot of sense. In addition to vaccines, various monoclonal antibody treatments and pills for COVID have reduced the need for hospitalization and ventilators. The challenge with the treatments is that time is a big factor in its efficacy. A patient should be treated within five days of the onset of symptoms. So as we look toward the future, there is some concern about how we move forward. One of the levels 
comparison of complexity. At what point will we as a society, once we're moving away from COVID, stop encouraging people who get sniffles or a sore throat or a cough from getting a COVID test? Now remember, unless you make a diagnosis, obviously these medications aren't necessary. At what point will we approach these things and say, he's got a cough, he's got a cold? Because remember, many of the symptoms of early COVID especially are symptoms that are very difficult to differentiate from the, the usual upper respiratory infections that people get, especially during the winter months. So therein lies the challenge. When do we move away from that? Or, or, or is COVID testing for sniffles and coughs and sore throats, is that going to remain with us indefinitely? I'll answer my own question and say, I don't think it can, but I'm not sure how and, and, and when we move away from that. Dr. Zerlo has not only kept us informed these last two years, he's kept us hopeful. His optimism now comes from the progress made and the immunity built. He's hopeful that any future strains will not result in heavy impacts on the healthcare system and high numbers of seriously ill patients. With the numbers of individuals who've been infected, along with the numbers of individuals who've been vaccinated, and of course the crossover of both of those, leave a, a much, much higher degree of immune experience to COVID. Obviously, certainly compared to two years ago when with, there was virtually zero, and now we have a very high percentage of the population that have been vaccinated or infected or both. And that kind of gives me the most optimism that those have to matter in terms of how we might envision another surge of cases that I would think that would be very blunted. So that gives me uh, quite a bit of optimism. I think I'm also optimistic in that even if we do see these surges, given this level of immunity, that we'll see, again, a lower stress on our healthcare system, meaning that fewer people will get seriously ill from it. We're not going to live like this forever. We're not going to live the rest of our lives with COVID hanging over our shoulder. I, I think we as humans are just not very good at, at long-term prediction and see how things are. And we can say, boy, they're never going to change, but everything changes. And I think this is going to be one of them. We humans have dealt with pandemics throughout the recorded history. And, and so we deal with it. We're in a better position in 2022 than we were, for example, in the year 1300, at which time they dealt with Black Plague. We, we understand this. We're medically much more sophisticated and we can rise to the occasion and, and deal with these things. So I remain an optimist. For more from Dr. Zerlo and other experts at Jefferson, visit thehealthnexus.org. There you'll find much more information on COVID as well as other articles that can help you live your healthiest life. Today's interview was conducted by Cassie Drum. Production support provided by Dan Bernstein. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for listening.